Tuesday night, um, chilling at home with Louisa, my wife. And uh, those of you that know Louisa, she's, uh, she's Italian. And uh, one thing that Italians are known for is rendering their thoughts verbally in real time. So uh, we don't have that classic marital issue of, honey, I didn't know what you were thinking. Always know what Louis is thinking because it's being broadcast in real time. And so I'm in the kitchen like always and she's chilling on the lounge, full stop, and uh, having a well-deserved uh, pause in her very busy day, waiting for me to then massage her feet. And um, <laughs> she's not here, so uh, I'm, I don't have to tell you the truth or not. Um, and, uh, and Louis was watching something on Facebook, on a little, scrolling through her phone, this video on Facebook, and she's kind of yelling and screaming over the top of, of, the, of the video. So I didn't actually know what she was watching. And when Louis's yelling and screaming, it's either because she's elated, yelling and screaming, or she's highly angered and frustrated. And so I waited for the video to, to finish, waited for the screaming to subside. And I said, babe, what, 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 what was that? What was going on? Now, what was happening is she was watching a video from a nightly television program whose name rhymes with The Project. And uh, on this particular episode of said program, uh, they had brought uh, uh, Margaret Court on to discuss her uh, views on same-sex marriage. Now. Take a big deep breath, everybody. I am not about to talk about same-sex marriage. We good? I'm gonna talk about Jesus. We good? All right. What happened for Louis to get so spun up is that they invited someone who everyone knew ahead of the broadcast, didn't agree with this particular television show's general position on the matter, but they bullied her for the time that she was on. They would ask her a question, and as soon as she's got a little bit of momentum up in her answer, they would talk over her. They would gang up on her. And Louis was getting irate. Not that someone disagreed with Margaret Court's position, that you just don't treat people that way, especially on national television. And by the way, she's a national treasure. So Louis made you know, lit up, made, made some commentary. Again, not about SSM, about guys. <laughs> People 50, 60 years ago in our, in our nation went to war and died so that we would have freedoms, the freedoms we enjoy today which include freedom of religion and freedom of speech, by the way. And you just don't treat people that way. That was what she was spun up about. So, so anyway, the volcano eventually kind of stopped erupting. And uh, she said, so how can I have the same kind of platform that this show has? So, so that, that, that we can, you know, I can demonstrate a better way to, to live, a better way to interact. And I said, well, babe, it's easy. Just launch a television network. And, uh, and uh, I said, but the challenge is it's a pretty crowded space. I said, in fact, the network that this particular show is on uh, went bankrupt two months ago and have been bailed out despite their obvious quality content. Um, television's a crowded space, a lot of noise. Do you know, talking to the under 30s here, do you know 
There was a time when Freeview on television meant in Perth meant three channels. Yep, that's it. Three channels. Which of the three channels shall we watch now? Channel two, channel seven, or channel nine? Now we've got a proliferation of Freeview television stations. I, I know you know that, but it doesn't end there. We've got uh, streaming services, Fetch and Stan and Netflix and the list goes on there. We've got obviously a few players in the cable space. As far as television goes, there's a lot of noise. And it's very influential if you watch television. Last week I talked about messages, the, the amount of messages we get from Facebook messages and text messages and emails and, 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 and it just literally doesn't stop. I, I, I honestly, I turn the volume off on my iPad, on my iPhone because they will just go ping, 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 almost like every second. No, okay, I'm not really not that, I'm not that popular. But they're just, just throughout the day, it'll be seemingly nonstop. There's a lot of noise. And there's a lot of opinions out there. Being on social media recently, everyone's an expert and not, and not afraid to tell you why you're wrong and they're right on seemingly a myriad of topics. And not all, not all of the noise is equally important. And yet, collectively, it has enormous influence. And the question I wanna ask this morning is as, as followers of Jesus, in this world that we live in, we're not gonna shut TV stations down tomorrow. We're not gonna you know, turn the internet off with the magic switch that lives in San Francisco. Um, there's no such switch. Uh, we're not gonna turn off the noise and have influence in a vacuum. The challenge for us as followers of Jesus is how do we rise above the noise and influence the world that we live in today. Many people will tell you that the way you rise above the noise with influence is just to scream longer and louder than the person next to you or the person across from you. And you've experienced this. Some of you in your workplace have been in a meeting where, 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 where there was somebody just yelling and screaming their ideas for longer and louder and they weren't necessarily the best ideas but they didn't give you or your colleagues a chance to weigh in. You may have been at a family gathering where that relative that you don't particularly get along with thinks that the family gathering is their opportunity to influence you by yelling at you and telling you all the things you're doing wrong and all the things you've done wrong and all the things you're probably gonna do wrong and all the things you should do differently because that's how they think that you influence. And I'm happy to report that Jesus, no shocker, actually outlined a better way to influence than just screaming and yelling louder and longer. You can open our Elevate app if you've got that installed. You tap on the Bible tile, it's gonna take you to a period of history that Matthew recorded and it's towards the end of Jesus' public ministry. And so Jesus and his posse we're actually journeying towards the capital city of Jerusalem where Jesus ultimately knew that he was gonna be tried uh, for crimes he didn't commit and going to be punished and ultimately killed in Jerusalem. And so he, he was actually telling his, his guys this, guys, I'm gonna be killed, uh, but, but, but don't panic. It's cool because after I've been killed, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise from the dead and I'm gonna establish my kingdom. Well, they've kind of filtered out the first bit of that because for them, kings don't die. Kings don't get tortured. So they just kind of, kind of edited that out of the story and gravitated over to the kingdom part because that sounded like the sexy bit. That's the bit they've been waiting for. I mean, that's, they're following Jesus because they, they thought He was going to be the one who would establish a new kingdom. And He said He was. So Matthew records what happened. So out of Jesus' 12, He actually had a little bit of an inner circle. Three uh, dudes, two of them were brothers, James and John. And when James and John heard that Jesus was going, He was gonna establish His kingdom. They're like, thank God, He's finally come out and said it. We've been hoping for all this time that He was gonna do it. Now He said He's gonna do it, we're in. Boy, it's been good thing we waited around as long as we did. And, and they had an idea. These two brothers had an idea and they wanted to communicate it to Jesus. So they got their mum to ask Jesus. Which sounds a little bit gutless, I know, but just let me, let me throw them a little bone here. Uh, their mum was uh, Jesus' mum's cousin. So it was kind of like, hey, mum, your family, can you ask Jesus? Because they, they wanted to ask Jesus for a favour. Maybe if we get mum to ask. You can't, you can't say no. You can't say no to family. So Matthew records this moment in history, it was about that time, the mother of the Zebedee brothers, James and John, came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. What do you want, Jesus asked. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honour in your kingdom, one at your right hand, one at your left hand. And Jesus responded, you have no idea what you're asking. And then he said to James and John, guys, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink, which by the way, he was asking them, are you capable of suffering in much the same way that I'm about to suffer? Which ultimately, that's how their life ended, that they did in fact suffer like he did. And they said, uh, cup, uh, drink, uh, sure, why not? No, he's well. Jesus said, come to think of it, you are gonna drink my cup. But as to awarding places of honour, that's not my business. My father is taking care of that. Let, let, me, let me, just before I get on, because I'm not gonna actually major on this, but this last two things that Jesus said as to awarding places of honour, that's not my business. My father is taking care of that. One of the reasons that Jesus had such authority in his lifetime is that he lived under authority. He didn't act out of his own authority. And we live in a culture that says that you have to be the boss, you have to be the man, don't let anybody tell you what to do, what to think, how to act. And yet in many uh, fears, the way you will grow an influence is by actually submitting yourself to someone with more authority and more influence than you. It'll be conferred on you. And you know, ultimately the best one is God for us. To not be so persuaded by culture that our first frame of reference is, what does the culture think? Our first frame of, re frame of reference needs to be, what does God say about this? And I'm gonna live under that authority, even if it makes me the odd one out, even if it makes me the weirdo at work, even if it makes me the white sheep of the family. Mm, some of that, it'll take a while. Listen to the podcast, it'll come around a second time. I'm not gonna riff on that, I could. That's a whole message, that's a whole thing of itself, by the way. But Jesus, in this slice of history, outlined a couple of ways to grow in influence because He said to them, uh, awarding places of honour, that's not my business. One of the ways to grow in influence is to have the opportunity, have permission to lead freely. 
with the people around you. See, James and John wanted positions. Mom, can you ask him if one of us can be on his left hand and one of us on his right hand? They wanted positions of influence. They wanted positions of honour. They wanted positions of leadership. And, and there is a place for positional leadership, okay? If you're in the workplace, you wanna know who it is you ask questions of in terms of doing your job properly. You wanna know clear lines of communication. There is a, there is a role for positional leadership and, and many of our uh, societal and workplace structures are based around that. And so it's not all bad, but it's not the highest level of influence. That's the key thing to understand. A lot of studies continue to come out that people will actually, some people will actually leave a job that they like, working in a company that they like because they've been positioned under a boss that they don't like. People typically don't leave companies, they leave people. Jesus had no official endorsement from any power structure. He wasn't given an endorsement from any political party. He had no degree. He had no official training. And yet 2,000 years ago, he dramatically changed the lives of people that he encountered. He spent only three years publicly doing the Jesus thing. And yet in the course of three years, before there was newspapers to report about it, before there was iPhones and smartphones to post video to Facebook and YouTube and Instagram about Jesus turning water into wine and healing a blind man and all the great things that he did. He never wrote a book and yet this man split the course of history into two slices before Jesus and after Jesus. No position, but a whole lot of influence. Positional leadership does have a place, but it's not the highest form of influence. And if you only rely on positional leadership to exert your influence, you're missing out on a, on a higher form of leadership. Margaret Thatcher, former Prime Minister of Britain, said one of, one of the favourite quotes I've ever heard in my life. Being a leader is a lot like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, then you aren't. If you have to have to have the, the business card with the big title, the biggest office with the big sign, if you have to have that as your only means of gaining influence, then you're not actually very influential. There's a higher level of influence, what I call permissional influence. You can become a permissional influencer without even having a position. Jesus very clearly demonstrated. You do not have to be the boss to be the most influential person in your workplace. You do not have to be the oldest sibling to be the most influential person in your family. You don't have to be the wealthiest person in your peer group to have the most influence among that sphere. You don't have to be the smartest person in your class or in your course to have the most influence in your place of study. You will have the most influence based on how much permission 
people give you to influence them, how much people allow you to influence them. That's positional influence. In the 1970s and into the 80s, there is a um, US-based stockbroking firm called E.F. Hutton. And uh, E.F. Hutton ran a series of ads um, and they all had the same kind of catchphrase. A little bit dated, a little bit sketchy, but here's an example of what they threw up. You'll never regret the purchase of a good stock. You don't say, yeah, my broker says it's a real good buy. What does your broker say? Well, my broker's E.F. Hutton, and Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. That was cutting edge back then, all right? And we had to kind of massage the rooms because it was designed for TVs that used to be square. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen and they had, they had like maybe six, seven commercials all with the same different themes at the front end, but the same catchphrase. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. I wonder if that could be said about you in your workplace, in your family. Not if you yell the loudest, are people forced to listen, but when you talk, would people actually stop what they're doing and lean into what you have to say? Do you have that level of permission in leadership, in uh, some court settings, in the political settings, if you wanna talk to, to power, if you wanna speak to the, the magistrate or you wanna speak, if it's you know, the prime minister or the pres president, speak your mind rather than what's uh, considered appropriate, you would, you would typically lead with the question, um, permission to speak freely? And they may or may not say to you, yes, please go ahead. And you know, at that point, you can just actually talk unfiltered and you're not gonna get fired or thrown out. And I, and, and I see that as an opportunity that the people in your sphere, you can gain the right to lead freely, to influence freely in their life, that they, there's the opportunity for them to actually want to give you the permission to influence them. You don't have to force it on them. You don't have to scream at them. You don't have to bully them. You don't have to conjole them. You don't have to outlast them. You don't have to outsmart them. You don't have to be more impressive than them in other people's eyes. But this opportunity that, that, that people may give you to influence them freely. That'd be pretty cool. One of the ways you get into that place, one of the ways you get a seat at that table, one of the ways you get into the room is, is the gifts and the talents that God's given you. That some people will see the, the gifts and, and talents God's given you and wanna actually jump into your slipstream. Another way is your experience. You, you may simply have had more experience and good experience or ultimately beneficial experience and some people will wanna jump into your slipstream to draw on your experience. One of these stupid cliches that people throw around is experience is the best teacher. No, you're an idiot if you think experience is the best teacher. Other people's experience is the best teacher. You don't have to go through the same crap they went through, learn from them and you don't have to repeat it. Why would you, have to, why would you wanna make, oh, I just wanna make my own mistakes. It's my goal in life. You're an idiot. Stop being so dumb. 
But, but if you've got some experience, good and bad, but that bad that you've learned from good that you've demonstrated, you'll find that people will, will actually wanna get into your slipstream, wise people, that is. Gifts, talents, experience, even capacity. Someone with similar uh, uh, mix of talents and gifts as you, mix of passions as you, even someone with similar levels of experience in you, but, but you may have uh, a certain capacity that's above them. You'll find that, that people will actually voluntarily want to get into your slipstream, want to give you permission to influence them. Fantastic, use that. But it's not the only part of this scenario. Because whilst gifts and talents and experience will get you in the room, it's your character that will keep you in the room. Because here's one of the big things that people will, that people, here's one of the big things that people are asking themselves before they give you permission to influence them. What's your motive? Can I trust you? Not trust you not to gossip, although that's a start, but trust you that actually with the influence you exert in my life, with the influence you give back to me and invest in my life, is it going to be motivated by your wanting the best for me or is it motivated by you just wanting to be kind of more important and, 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 and self kind of promoting? Are you trust worthy motives, and you can have someone give you permission to influence them based on your gifts and your talents and your experience and your capacity and completely detonate that with bad motives, with wrong motives, with self-serving motives. So Jesus gives a little key to how you can demonstrate your motives downgrade to greatness. This week on uh, Tuesday, San Francisco time, Apple announced their new uh, range of iPhones. Now look, if you, if you think the same-sex marriage thing is divisive, I ain't even gonna get into the whole iPhone versus the rest of the world thing here, right? So again, take a big uh, deep breath. But uh, point is that the upgrade phone thing, it's not just Apple, everyone's doing it, I get that. Now we live in a culture where your, your buddies aren't asking you if you're gonna upgrade, they're simply asking you when and which model are you getting? The precious. Um, we, 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 just as well, we, and it's not just limited to technology, although it, it plays out a lot in technology, but but if you drive a certain car at a certain price point, there's an expectation that in due course, you'll upgrade your car. My dad gave me some of the best advice when I was a teenager about cars, buy the cheapest car your ego can afford. And I go, it's a Vespa for me, baby. <laughs> if you're in a certain job, it's an assumption, it's expected that you're just gonna keep upgrading and upgrading and upgrading. And by the way, that mistake can be on both sides of the coin there. If, if you own a business and your business is, let's say, mm, I don't know, a plumbing business, if you own a plumbing business, one of your, one of your team is the, the best plumber going around. He's the man, he can do things that you don't even know how he knows and you're the business owner. 
It's assumed that you're gonna promote him to become the manager of a group of workers. And yet in some cases, that might be the stupidest thing you can do because while he or she may be a great plumber, they're not a very good manager. They might be, but the assumption is that they, is they, they should be because it's all about upgrading. And I say to you, no, if they're not a great manager, but they're a great plumber, pay them more to plumb and bring in someone with managerial skills. Is it? But, but, but we don't think that way. We think you're gonna just obviously keep going until you're the boss of the boss of the boss of the boss. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Houses, where you live, your postcode, the size of your house. Is this an assumption that we'll just keep building your houses and move into to, to, to fancier neighbourhoods? I gotta tell you, I expect, and I'm not gonna name and shame certain suburbs, but I expect that there's certain suburbs in Perth where, shall I just say this, the square meterage of the floor plans of those houses is quite big. That if we were to heat map them in terms of where the actual traffic goes, Monday to Sunday and repeat, it wouldn't, I have no scientific data to back up this, just a theory. There would be a lot of unused areas in their house and the heat map would go from the bedroom to the toilet, to the kitchen, to the garage and out the door and then back to wherever Netflix is showing. <laughs> but, but we live in a culture where it's just assumed you're gonna build bigger houses and, and, and that's not always necessarily the, the wisest thing to do. I had some friends a couple of years ago uh, telling me that they'd been to um, one the fancy schmancy restaurants over at the Crown Complex. I'm not gonna say which one it is because I don't have a problem with them. But they'd been there and, and, and they'd spend a lot of money on meal for two. And they said to me, oh, is that something you'd like to do? Would you like to go to that restaurant? I said, no chance. I said, what, are you, are you, are you fishing to buy me a voucher? Yeah, yeah, we're thinking about it. I go, get me 30 double vouchers to grilled and I am good. Yeah. I am good because I can have 30 dining out experiences where I'm far more comfortable. I can wear shorts and flip-flops. Thank you, American podcasters, that one's for you. Uh, you know, if you can afford grilled, then, then obviously your next meal you're gonna wanna do is somewhere where it costs $100 for a burger. No! We live in an upgrade. And yet Jesus said the way to... Greatness is actually downgrading some stuff. And here's what he said. And this is him just following on from what he said a moment ago to the boys. I can't give you positions. They're not mine to give out. When the 10 others heard about this, <laughs> this is so fun. I just love this, man. Because this is, the, the two boys got their mum to ask. So they lost their tempers. The other 10, like, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. Doesn't say if they're disgusted about what they got their mum to ask or just merely the fact that they got their mum to ask or both, who knows? So Jesus got them together to settle things down. Fellas, come here. Fellas, team meeting. He said, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. How quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not gonna be that way with you. This wasn't nice Jesus. This was loving Jesus. Whoever wants to be great, oh yeah, yeah, me, 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 must become a servant. Ah. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. 
This is, this is losing its luster. This is not as shiny as it was two minutes ago. Yeah, that's what the Son of Man's done. It's what I've done. I've come to serve, not to be served and give away my life in exchange for the many who have held hostage. I wanna challenge you, challenge us this week. Make it a goal. Maybe make it the goal this week to outserve others. Make it your goal this week. This week, just a week, saying for 2017, this week, here's a, here's a, little, bit of, here's a little bit of homework. Make it your goal this week that you're not gonna be outserved. Not by your spouse, not by your colleague, not by your boss, not by your friends, not by your fellow students, whoever it is in your sphere, to not be outserved. And full disclosure, I, in my early days of leadership, was terrible at this. I mean, like, terrible. I mean, like, crap terrible. But not crap, but like other adult words that have four letters, that, like that bad, bad. I was terrible. I was the worst at this. And here's the thing. Here's the reason why. And I wanna tell you this. I, I mean, look, you know, I'll pop the hood anytime. It's not a problem. But, but, but this may be something that speaks to you because here's why I was terrible at, 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 at serving others in my leadership role is I was very insecure. In my 20s, very insecure. I don't have anyone to blame for that. I'm not pointing to this. I didn't have a terrible upbringing. I didn't, but I, I was in my early 20s, I was incredibly insecure. And I would operate in my leadership role. Someone was daft enough to give me a leadership role. I, would, I operated in my leadership role out of insecurity. And I was re requiring of those that I was meant to be serving to actually serve me, to fill these massive voids of personal security that I didn't have. I can tell you now, that was not the best way. That was not the Jesus way. And the antidote for me was to actually just grow in an understanding and a security that comes from knowing who God says you are. That, that I didn't have to go and push and shove and bully and cajole and, 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 and scream at, that, that actually I could actually operate with the knowledge and a security, this is who I am. This is who God's created me. I can rest in that and I can operate from that. But that took me years and that might be encouraging for some of you today. The other reason I was so terrible at this, at serving others is, is I didn't have a really have a very good understanding of just how much God honours those who honour others. Just how much God is willing to serve those who serve others. And so, and so I, I had this kind of warped perspective that if I served others, I'd be left with less. That if I gave myself to putting others first, that, that puts me further down the queue and I don't wanna be further down the queue because after all, I am the boss here. And, 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 and God had to show me this, this stuff that Jesus was talking about, that actually it's by giving your life away that, that your life becomes full. It's by giving yourself to others that your life becomes meaningful. And, 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 and I'm not perfect at it today, but thank God for me and for everyone I lead that I'm better than I was 25 years ago. Hmm. But I just wanna put one little caveat there. Because this word, uh, it's been thrown around, the phrase servant leadership, okay? 
Some of you may have heard it. it, it it's it's kind of got a little bit lost in translation for the years. And, and, and here's how it sometimes comes up, is that, is that if you are someone who, who has influence, you should be spending your time washing dishes. If, you've, if you're someone that God is rising up with influence and rising above the noise with influence, that you should spend all of your time washing dishes. And I'm saying washing dishes both in a literal and a metaphorical sense, okay? You understand the picture? That, if, you're, if you have an opportunity to influence, your best use of your time is influencing, not washing dishes. But everything you do has to be motivated and birthed out of a spirit of a dishwasher. Birthed out of a spirit that, that first of all, if the dishes need doing, I'm gonna do them because I'm not ever better than that. I'm not ever too good for that. But that, but that if, if no one sees me, if no one praises me, if I don't get the adulation and the awards and the, and, and the cheers and the, and, the, and the Christmas bonuses, but I've got an opportunity, even off the grid, even out of sight, even out of mind, even nobody's po- taking a photo of me, influencing them and putting it on social media and allowing my followers to grow and so on and so forth. Even if that's not happening, that if I have a position of influence, I will do that, but I'll do it with the spirit of dishwasher. In other words, putting others first, serving others and me leading a church, the best way I serve you is by leading as effectively as I can, leading as well as I can with the spirit of a dishwasher, which by the way, I was in doing dishes this morning. That's a true story. You get that? Because what's happened is, when, is often when we talk about spirit, servanthood, servant leadership, some people are scared to, to actually move towards leadership because they think, well, well, I'm meant to be a servant. Yeah, but if God is giving you promotion, if God is giving you opportunities, if God is, is helping you rise above the noise with influence, then influence. Take those opportunities, use them. Don't apologise for them. God says Himself, promotion comes from the Lord. He's, he's big on promoting people, but He promotes people with the spirit of a dishwasher. That, that, they're, that they're others first, others focused, others centric rise above the noise with influence. And what I pray will ultimately happen, and I pray that will happen sooner rather than later, is is we will have the opportunity to start to see exponential influence. Jesus invested the best part of his three years of public ministry into 12 people. One of them didn't didn't stick around for 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 the triumphal procession. But those 11, then found others to invest into and others to influence. And they then found others to invest into and others to influence. And then they found others to invest into and others to influence. And every single one of us here this morning who's a follower of Jesus actually can trace our lineage to the influence of Jesus first into those 11 and those 11 into the next group and them into the next group and them into the next group. If there was an ancestry.com, for, 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 for where yours and my spiritual heritage comes from, it would actually go all the way back to the 11 that Jesus influenced, who then went on to influence others. Had they not 
that wouldn't be our story. But, they, but Jesus didn't start with stadiums. He started with 12. Influenced. Let me pray in a moment. The prayer I wanna pray, I just talked about it very, very quickly then, this idea that there's a spiritual heritage. What that looks like is that there's a lot of us here this morning who have actually said yes to this Jesus guy. These first 12, all that Jesus did is he rolled up to them and said, hey, would you come follow me? And they said, yeah, we will. And they put their faith in him and their trust in him. And they ultimately found out that he was the son of God. Jesus asks the same question of us today, will you follow me? And the answer is just as simple today as it was back then, yes or no. And my strongest encouragement to you this morning, if you've never said yes, I recommend you do say yes and we're gonna give you an opportunity right now to say yes. So if you've never said yes to following Jesus in a moment, just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me today. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say yes to following you, Jesus. And when I see your hand, put it down. I'll pray for you from here. I won't even get you up or anything. Just I'm gonna pray for you while you stay seated wherever you are. But I don't want you to miss this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. He asks the question, will you come follow me? Are you gonna say yes this morning? Or are you gonna say no? If you've never said yes, how about you just slip your hand up right now, real quickly. Slip your hand up, see your hand, put it down. And then I'll pray from here. I don't want to miss anybody. Okay, I'm going to pray a different prayer then. God, I pray for us as Elevate Church. You started with 12. God, we're starting with the people in the room here today that we would be a church that takes this seriously. God, if we are gonna get the message of Jesus out and see your kingdom expanded, we know it's gonna take influence. We know we're gonna have to actually rise above the noise with influence. We won't shut it down, we can't shut it down, but we can rise above it, God. And so I pray this morning for each and every one of us that we would look for open doors and opportunities to influence, that we would take that seriously, God, that we'd understand that we're the head and not the tail, that we're above and not beneath, and that we're empowered by your Holy Spirit to actually grow in influence in the spheres that we have and to increase those spheres in the days and weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name, amen.